What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 118. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? It's going, dude. I'm tired. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I am I am extremely exhausted, but you know, just that we're here to draft chaff, you know? And, and when we draft chaff, I get pumped. So let's get on with the show. All right, into our usual housekeeping. If you're not running the Discord, check that out. We've got an awesome community there of folks who are really enjoying Dominaria United so far. So hop in there. It's been popping off. I've been really excited with some of the conversations that are going on. Um, and uh, we really appreciate all those who are, are staying involved in those conversations and keeping them going because it's it's just really fun. To, even if we're not directly interacting in that conversation, it's really awesome to see everybody talking and, and just enjoying the set. Again, the link to that is on our Twitter page as well as in the episode description. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. You guys rock and we're beyond grateful for all of you. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, pre-show snippets uh, of conversations that Ben and I do. I don't know what to call these yet. <laughs> it was a little more than a snippet this week. It was basically an extra episode. <laughs> Yeah, true. And uh, also our Draft Chaff Hero card sent right to you, which more on that in a moment. But um, of course, you can find that at patreon.com forward slash Draft Chaff pod. Okay, Ben, you've got a crack a draft type thing for us. Let's hear it. I do indeed. This is a pack one pick one. And uh, let's just get into it. First out is Heroic Charge. Embarrassed to admit that, you know, sometimes your opponent is playing a bunch of white weenies. They just turn them all sideways and you just go, well, (laughs) <laughs> it was a good game, but they have four mana or sometimes six mana. And then you know that, you know, you can set up your best blocks, but it's probably not going to work out well. Yeah, I love this card. Uh, I don't normally love this card. I don't want to first pick this card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, Eerie Soul Tender. Uh, that's the uh, three mana, three one that you can exile from your graveyard to get something back. A little better than I expected, but I, I still don't play that many of these. No. Uh, I play pretty much zero tattered apparitions, the four mana four two or four mana two two flyer that has the shade ability that can pump itself for way too much mana. This is this is just too slow for this set, I think. Yeah, which is saying something because it's a slow format. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I think I might have seen one of these on the board ever. And I don't know yeah. that I've ever seen it cast. Yeah. I mean, do you want your four drop to die to a flowstone infusion? No, thanks. And there are just better pump options like you have other creatures that pump themselves in mm-hmm. cheaper fashion. Next up, negate. It's fine in like best of three if you sideboard it against opponents with lots of good sagas or something. I don't know. It, it's still not a high pick. Pretty uh, pretty bad pack so far, but Yavimaya Sojourner is probably the pick so far. That is the uh, yep. in cheapening green card that cares about domain. Uh, four six. I thought this was going to be kind of mid. Uh, I think it's one of the, the worst of the in cheapening. I'm coining this phrase now cycle, uh, which it is. We need um, to workshop that. <laughs> yeah, we can. I said, man, I'm tired. <laughs> uh, but th- th- this ended up being pretty fine. Like you cast this for three mana. It's a three mana four six. Even a four mana four six is just fine. Next up, stall for time. That's the two and away instant. Tap some stuff down. I actually had a red white aggressive deck where I I didn't pick up very much removal. I picked up two copies of Stall for Time late in pack three, and they were awesome in my deck. Yeah, I find I typically want to be kicking this card. Mm. It feels kind of bad if you have to tap their creatures down and then they just get to untap, or or you're saving yourself one attack step or something. But it certainly is useful as temporary removal, and sometimes it's just what you need to lower your opponent's walls while you just smash in for lethal. Yeah. I mean, if you're if your opponent is dead before they get to untap their creatures, then I guess it doesn't really matter if you kicked it or not. That's fair. Next up, one of the uh, 
actually, well, I'll spoil it. A runner-up for Draft Draft Hero, Keldon's Strike Team. This card has been impressive, unless your opponent has like a 1-1 on the other side of the board. Then it feels a little embarrassing. But Keldon's Strike Team, just pretty solid all around. This is 3-meta, 3-1. You can kick it for one of the white, and it makes two 1-1 white soldiers. And they functionally all get haste, but what's also cool is that it gives all of your creatures haste, so if you can play something else that turn, or if you just want to use one of the little soldier tokens to enlist with something else, then it works with that too. Yeah, I found this card to be really great. This is one that I really don't want to cast without kicking it. I feel terrible playing this on three. Mm. Sometimes you have to do it, but I pretty much always hold out and try to cast this with the kicker. And I found a lot of times like the value in the card from an offense perspective tends to come from the one ones. I don't really mm. ever use yeah. the haste ability in the decks I've built, even the aggressive red white decks. I found the best versions of the red white decks I've been able to put together kind of chip in for damage early and then they just stall out on the board until you can cast something like heroic charge to just yeah, run just over your opponent super and wide um and it, yeah. it, the the kelvin strike team holds holds attackers back very nicely as a three powered creature for three mana it trades up a lot and mm. it, it just performs well yeah true uh i will say sometimes if my opponent if i'm on the play and my opponent spends their second turn playing like a vine wall or something and i can tell they're on the slow like defenders plan i will just run it out on turn three because yeah they can chump block but they're probably going to take a like nine damage off of it yeah that's fair next up more junk it's a snare spinner i I shouldn't be too mean this is draft chaff right i mean this is about as draft chaffy as a card can get it's a little spider this is a reprint we see it all the time sorry snare spinner i mean sideboarded in against flyers yeah i mean that's where i sit with it it's not really a bad card it just you can do better things with the mana in this format but it's one of the things that shores you up against the flyers decks Next up, this is actually a... Uh, all right, we, we rated this one too low. This is Shadow Prophecy. Two and a black, instant domain. Look at the top X where X is your domain. Uh, and then you put two of them into your hand, lose two life. Card is sick. I haven't gotten to use it, but I have seen it played and it does seem better than we gave it credit for, yeah. Yeah, we were a little too focused on Phyrexian Espionage. This is the real Phyrexian Espionage. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's like a dig through time, right? You just look at the top five, put two cards in your hand, lose two life that does end up being a lot more impactful because maybe it's not even five. Maybe you're missing a few lands. By looking at the top three or four, this can maybe help dig you into that last dual land that you needed. Yeah. And we're back to junk. We got Tide Pool Turtle. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Again, you're cute. But um, yeah, four mana two five with an overly priced scry ability. Just, you know, I mean, this, this set has so many resources for the good aggressive decks to break through defenders. It's going to break straight through this thing, too. Yeah, not interested. I think in terms of commons, I'm probably on the Prophecy or the Strike Team. I'd probably lean to Strike Team because I've liked the aggressive decks a little more than I've liked the kind of dirtily domain decks, especially if you don't get there with domain. But Mm. I think Prophecy in a vacuum is probably the more valuable card. Yeah, I agree. I think it's better in its deck. Um, As for first picking, I'd I'd probably take it because I think it might lead you to more potential decks. Like I think you're, you might be more That's likely true. to end up with shadow prophecy in your final deck. Just like statistically looking at the breakdowns. I don't know. I, I, I wish we knew someone who like, who like knew statistics about magic cards and, and that kind of thing, like data. I don't know. Do we yeah, know anyone like that? Should, I know a few. We should get someone on like that for next week. Ah, no, that's a pipe dream. That'll never happen. Uh, so our uncommons, uh, we got Bortuk bone rattle. That is the six mana four for the black green uh, uncommon, the troll shaman that brings something back. I'll say in in, an, in, a, in a game I was playing just before recording, I used Bortuk to bring back Micromancer to go get a flowstone infusion. Just come on. <laughs> like, sick. Yeah. 
And get it hitting Bortuk for five just feels amazing. I once put Bortuk into a dead Frost Rider or whatever that the the Frost Links guy yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible names on this set, but um, yeah, I Bortuk into the Frost Rider thing with five domains, so it just went right onto the board, tapped their stuff down, and swung it. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and even if you use this to bring back like a Telerian Serpent or something, a Terror, it just goes back to your hand, you know? (laughs) Like, uh, what more could you ask from your black-green top end? Next up, we've got Wing Mantle Chaplain. Oh, buddy. We're going to be talking about you today. This is three and a white for a 0-3 Human Cleric. Uh, It's the guy with the fender. It's the one that makes birds. This card is a house. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's not really close here so far. I would just take the Wingmantle Chaplain. This is the best time to take it because you can spend mm-hmm. the entire rest of the draft building around it. And I've actually had a few drafts where I've been past them too late. And it feels terrible mm. because you get this amazing card. I ended up in a deck that had two of them and I couldn't play either of them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> because I just didn't have other defenders because it was pack three or whatever when I saw both of them. Yeah. So I don't know where, what the other defenders decks at that table were doing but they were mad that you took their chaplains well i mean i don't know why they got past me but they they uh they're they're great and this is a great time to take one so i would definitely be looking to pick the chaplain here so far yeah our last uncommon is the weather seed treaty that's the saga you can go get a basic uh make a one one sapperling and then pump something with trample and plus x plus x where x is domain solid card but um yeah no i'm on chaplain still yep what's a rare oh it's actually not a rare it's a mythic Let's see if it can unseat the chaplain. It's the world spell. Seven mana. Uh, look at the top. What is it? Seven. Uh, and for chapters one and two, you put a non-saga permanent into your hand and shuffle the rest, put them on the bottom. And then for chapter three, you can put up the two non-saga permanents from your hand on the battlefield. We had a pretty good discussion about this one. Was it last week or the week before? I don't know. It's a big flashy mythic. It functionally draws you two cards and then it functionally floats you a lot of mana if you have a lot of cards in hand and a lot of big things to cast. I'm on Chaplain. Yeah, I would definitely take Chaplain over this. I did try to give the world spell some grace there. And like at first I thought it was much better because I saw it played against me in a deck that used it very, very well. Mm. But you kind of talked me down from where I was with it. And Chaplain just doesn't take... I mean, Chaplain's technically a build around, but it's so yeah. easy to build around in this format that it's yeah. virtually not a build around. Uh-huh. I had another realization just thinking about the world spell right now. A lot of the top ends of, of pretty much every vector, they get cheaper. Like Yavimaya yep. Sojourner, like it's built to get cheaper if you're doing the vector well. Uh, I mean, same same with all the other in cheapening cycle. It's going to happen. It's coming. I can feel it. Um, so, yeah, just another reason Look, to family not really fixers didn't catch on. I don't think that is. <laughs> and family fixers was much better than in cheapening. So uh, let's just move on. All right. On to a Teferi Tivolt. This is a Roses and Thorns style of segment where Ben and I share a high and the low from the past week. So uh, I'm going to take this one. I'm not even Go going to offer it to you. I'm just going. I'm just taking it. Wow. Um, okay. <laughs> um, this is my Teferi, so my, my, my Tivolt that, that you just stole it from there me. You go. <laughs> well, we've had enough opportunities where I say you take it and then you're like, no, you do it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my Teferi this week is that I have been... I've been in the gym. I went back to the gym for, this is my fourth week now in, nice. I'm in the middle of the fourth week. And typically in the past, and this is going to segue into my Tybalt slightly, but typically in the past when I've tried to take going to the gym seriously, I feel really good for like the first couple of days. And then I start to get like really low energy and like waking up exhausted and starving all the hmm. time. And rather than like fix that problem, I just kind of stopped going to the gym and, and it fixes itself. Yeah. But this time I was really, really 
intent on doing it right and actually like trying to see results. So I built like a meal plan. I've been meal prepping and just this week, it took three weeks for me to do this, but for, for the first three weeks, I was eating a certain number of calories every day. Just this past week, I've started to feel really hungry again, even though I've been eating hmm. the same amount. So my metabolism is kind of catching up and I've had to adjust my meal plan back up, but nice. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's actually, it's, it's amazing how, when you do something quote unquote the right way and like you give yourself enough fuel going to the gym actually feels great. <laughs> like I think I, I said this better yeah. than ever. Yeah, you did. You're like, well, like oh, a few dang, weeks ago. Right. It's like, Oh, it sucks so much that they go to the, going to the gym at like 5am people that they, they are right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's, uh, it's been going well. So I'm excited to see where it leads me. Yeah. Good stuff. How about you? Mine's a ferry this week. Uh, school's pretty good. I'm a teacher. I teach high school physics and, um, I'm at a new school this year. So the students, they're very self-motivated, which is just such a treat. Um, you teachers out there, when I say like, folks, make sure to put stuff away from the lab, they just do it. And they'll even ask and they'll be like, hey, can I come after today? Like, I didn't finish the lab. I want to finish it. Like, I'm like, oh my God, this is awesome. <laughs> very unlike my last school. Um, also, Dominar United, everyone loves it. Like, this is a, this is a very, very good set. Um, don't know if we're going to put it in the all-timer camp, but... I don't see myself getting sick of it anytime soon. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, feels like there's a lot left to do a lot of like cool narrow cards that I haven't gotten to play yet. I love when a set feels like that because we often like some of the sets that are like really unbalanced. You're like, there's nothing to do that beats this. There's nothing to do that tops this in terms of like feeling yeah. good about playing a deck. Whereas Dominaria has so many decks that you can play and feel great about. So mm-hmm. totally with you on that. My tipple, I am so tired. <laughs> <laughs> which is like, it's funny to say it, but, uh, I, I've not been getting enough sleep at all. And part of that is I'm staying up late, like less at planning. Uh, part of it is that I'm getting used to waking up at 6am still, uh, which I'm a very much a night person. I'm very much not a morning person. And, uh, I guess I maybe didn't pick the best career to match my lifestyle, but, uh, I, I think like this week, and I've been I've been fine for the first few weeks of school, but now, uh, like, I got a cold this week, and I could tell, and I was like, oh, I got to go to sleep earlier. It's going to get worse, and I, I you can probably hear it a bit in my voice right now too. But uh, it, it it did kind of get worse because I I just haven't been getting enough sleep, and tomorrow's back to school night, and I have more lesson plans due on Friday, and then more lesson plans due on Monday, and it's just it's one of those weeks, you know. Yeah, I feel that. Well, you'll get through it. Yeah. All right, on to our listener question of the week. This week, our question comes from Dorigan. And Dorgan asks, is DMU going to be like Ikoria? Super sweet draft format with a super grown test uncommon or deck? I think we know what card he's talking about. The old wing mantle chaplain. And honestly, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't think it's as trivially easy to just get into the defender's deck as it was to get into the cycling deck. And I think a big part of that was the fact that the cycling deck just had colorless cyclers, which was a departure from the norm. Usually they had been colored uh, cycling costs. But because you had colorless one-mana cyclers, all you really needed was the Zenith Flare, and then you knew you were going to pick up all the extra pieces that you needed. It it was a build-around, yeah, but it was incredibly easy to build around. Uh, Wing Mantle Chaplain, you do actually need to play defenders, like you mentioned before. I mean, you, you picked up two copies of Wing Mantle Chaplain even later. I mean, if that had been like a Zenith Flare type of draft where you picked up two Zenith Flares late, you would have looked at your pool and seen that you had 10 incidental colorless cyclers. And then you would have been like, okay, I guess I'm a Zenith Flare deck now. Um, whereas this deck, um, the, the the Defender Wing Mantle Chaplain payoff, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's, uh, 
I don't think it's as easy to get into. What do you think? Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think Zenith Flare, because every color had colorless cyclers, it didn't matter uh, really what you had. And even if you weren't trying to build a Zenith Flare deck, your deck almost certainly had colorless cyclers in it just by nature of the way that set was designed. And so if you did see a Zenith Flare, you were suddenly like, okay, this might be packed two and a half, but you know, I'm taking, uh, uh, I'm taking, I'm taking Zenith Flare here and I'm, I'm totally pivoting. Like forget everything I've done so far. I'm taking every cycler I see and that's it. That's the, my whole draft is on rails. Wingmantle Chaplain, if you open one, can kind of put your draft on rails, but you do need to make a decision about whether you play black, white defenders, or you try to do like a domain five color defenders thing, or you try to do like something approaching a white blue defenders with maybe splashing a third color. Like there are variations of this deck and they don't all work the same way and they don't all Mm -hmm. work as well as each other. So you still need to make some decisions throughout the drafting process. And so I do, I do think it's harder to put together the bonkers, ridiculous wing mantle chaplain deck than it was to put a Zenith flare deck together. Um, and we are kind of already segueing into our like episode topic today, but, um, to answer the question, I, I think, I think, no, I think we're in a format where it's a super sweet draft format and there are plenty of decks and there are plenty of ways to deal with a lot of these cards. Um, and yes, wing mantle chaplain is kind of a grown test card in and of itself when the, when it does what it's supposed to do, but not everybody can get them and not everybody can put the deck together well enough to make it uh, something that you're running into constantly. So I, I don't think so. I guess another thing is that, I mean, Zenith Flare was just an automatic, I win the game. Wingmantle Chaplain is beatable. Like I've, I've beaten this card and it's army of birds. I mean, Smash to Dust is a card in the format for a reason. Just deal one to all the birds. Like that's, that's kind of a hate card. There, there was no Zenith Flare hate card. Uh, and sometimes Wingmantle Chaplain, like you mentioned, some people will still try to play in a deck that doesn't have a high enough density of defenders. If this just ETVs and makes like one bird, then, you know, it's just okay. Yeah, totally. This does carry us pretty well into our main topic today, which is our Draft Chaff Hero. And that is... Wingmantle Chaplin, surprise, surprise. It'd be really funny if we did all that build up with the crack of draft and the listener question, and then it was something else. But yep, it's the old Wingmantle Chaplin. Uh, three and a white for a zero three creature, human cleric. It's an uncommon, it has defender. When Wingmantle Chaplin enters the battlefield, create a one one white bird creature token with flying for each creature with defender you control. Whenever another creature with defender enters the battlefield under your control, create a 1-1 white bird creature token with flying. I'm not going to lie, the first time I saw this card, I wasn't impressed. It's a 4-mana 3 Yeah, it totally slipped under both of our radars when we were doing like our set review process before we do our format breakdown and everything. Mm-hmm. And it totally slipped by both of us. And then somebody like pointed out that, oh gosh, Wingmantle Chaplain is Zenith Flare. And I was like, Wingman, what? Are you, what? I don't remember that card. <laughs> and then I looked at it again and I was like, oh, I mean, it's not Zenith Flare, but it is. That's a powerful card when it's used right. It turns out 1-1 one, one birds with flying, that's just about a real card. It's like two thirds of a real magic card, um, especially because these can block. Uh, so it's also pretty important to know that this is the, just the best defender payoff. It also helps that the defender deck has a tutor, which is kind of rare for limited. And it's a defender deck that you know it can win games by itself but wingmantle chaplain this really gives the defender deck uh the ability to close out the game quickly i mean if you make like five birds that's that's a clock that's tough to block 
Well, and so that's exactly it, right? Because the other payoffs that you have in the defender decks are something like Coral Colony, which is a tapper. It needs to put mana into it. You need to tap it. You need to already have a bunch of other defenders out. And you have cards like uh, the Blight Pile, which does um, damage to your opponent, equal mm-hmm. number of defenders you have. And that's, an, again, you got to pay mana and tap it. And the thing is, when I first saw those cards, I was like, okay, cool. There's there's win conditions. And again, somehow Wing Mantle Chaplain slipped past my radar, so I didn't even realize that was a card. But... You have these uh, these these win conditions for a, for sort of a vector that doesn't usually have a way to win the game. You know, when you think of <laughs> yeah. walls, you don't really think of like, okay, these are the things that are winning me the game. But here's yeah. the problem they present that I didn't think about until I played the deck. When you have a coral colony or a blight pile out, you want to support it with a bunch of other defenders. And what do you what do you want to do with defenders typically in games? You want to block with them. That's what they're for. <laughs> you know, like right. a zero five. What are you going to do? Never block with your zero five. Unfortunately, because your Blight Pile and your Coral Colonies require you to have defenders on board, you kind of don't want to block with them. Because if your opponent uses some kind of trick just to get rid of the defender... Of which, which there also, are plenty. Right, which also helps their attacks in future turns. Yeah. Then your 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 win condition just drops drastically in value. The thing with the Wing Mantle Chaplain is it enters the battlefield, triggers immediately, gets you some birds... So even if you deal with the Wing Mantle Chaplain and you've never, like your opponent deals with the Wing Mantle Chaplain and you've never gotten to cast another defender, you've already gotten the value out of the card. You've got your four flyers, five flyers or whatever it is. And now they have to also deal with those. But if they can't deal with the Chaplain, every single defender you play now from for the rest of the game without putting additional mana into your win condition is generating you more flyers, which are winning you the game faster. So it's a quote unquote free way to continue getting value that forces your opponent to deal with more than one thing at a time. And... It, it does great before you play your defenders and it does well after you play them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a situation come up where my opponent, uh, both my opponent and I were down to like two ish cards. My opponent had a wing mantle chaplain and I could tell the game was going to go on for a while. They were playing like a defenders deck. I was playing like a domain deck. And I'm thinking if this turns into a top deck war, should I just like bolt the chaplain now? Like, or do, do I bolt like this other three, three that's attacking me? I mean, do I do I hope that I draw on some creatures to block or I mean, do I just kind of bet that the top 10 cards don't have any more defenders in it? Because if they make a few more birds then that really puts a lot of pressure on my life total. So the thing about the chaplain, like you said, once you get those birds, that's a whole chunk of value right there. That's usually most of the value you're going to get out of it. Then your opponent doesn't want to remove it. So there's a tension there. But there's another tension where, uh, as you mentioned, those blight piles you want to be blocking with your blight pile. You want to be blocking with your vine walls, uh, which makes the blight pile and the vine walls worse. Chaplain, it actually works better when you block with the defenders after you've cast it because that buys you time to kill them with the birds. So if your opponent is playing like a, a Morrow or something, it doesn't matter if it's a 10-10, start putting a vine wall in front of every turn while your air force closes the game out. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And I think the other thing to consider here that the Wing Mantle Chaplain does so well that the other win conditions for the deck don't do is that you get all the value out of this card or you don't even really, but you get like, let's say 90% of the value out of this card as soon as it hits the battlefield. And then the rest yeah. of it trickles in as over ter- turns as you play more defenders. The Coral Colony, you get zero value the turn you play it. And then you get incrementally more value out of it as the game progresses. So you might play it and get... 0% value. You might play it and they just kill it right away and then that's it. The Wing Mantle Chaplain, you're getting 90% up front or thereabouts and then you'll slowly get more as the game goes on if they can't deal with it. So at least you're getting a ton of value out of the card before something happens. I wonder how they settled on this templating. 
Like, why is the coral colony and the blight pile templated in that one fashion? And then this other, I mean, it's part of like a mini cycle, right? This other uncommon defender walls payoff. Um, it has such a different templating. I mean, why doesn't the white one enter the battlefield, have no ETB and then have a tap ability that makes birds? Why doesn't blight pile have an ETB that drains, you know? So my, my inclination for the, for the two other wind conditions, blight pile, a coral colony, realistically, if that was like a, let's say, let's say coral colony was ETB, your opponent mills one for every defender you have. It's not yeah. enough to impact the game like at mm. all. Really, you know, you don't maybe care about milling your opponent twice. three or four. Yeah, yeah, you could maybe do mill two times. Maybe that would be enough, but then that might be actually too much. Who knows? And the same with the blight pile. Like ETB, your opponent loses four is not really gonna. I, sure, sometimes that'll win you games, but it's not like a win condition. Really. Maybe they could have templated it where it has that second clause too. So then, whenever another defender comes in, they lose another one life, or they mill another two cards, or something like that. I don't know. I, I'm just. I, I don't really see why. There had to be a distinction. Well, my big I'm, question, my big question with it is like, why did they template? I don't. I, I think the other two make sense. My question is, why did they template Wingmantle Chaplain this way? Why was Wingmantle Chaplain not three and a white tap make a one one or two and a white tap make a one one? Yeah, I really don't know. But honestly, I like the way it worked out. It gives these uh, defender decks a lot of interesting texture. Yeah. Something else that's good about this being an ETB is that you can recur it. With something like Urborg Reclamation, you can trade it off, chump with it, get it back. Uh, same with Bortok Bone Rattle. Um, I've seen a few people that use Aether Channeler to bounce this back to your hand and then replay it, things like that. Uh, and we should mention the Wombo combo with the Golden Argosi. You play the Chaplain with maybe one other defender out, you get your two birds, one for the Chaplain, one for the other defender. Uh, if you then crew the Argosi with... Uh, the chaplain and your other defender and something else to actually get the crew uh, flicker both that gives you three more birds two as it sees both walls re-enter uh, and it sees that you control two walls and then another one as it sees the other wall the other defender enter so um, just you can just keep doing that over and over again just make a huge unstoppable bird army uh, one of the, the grosser combos you can pull off in this set and before we dive into the data, one last thing we wanted to mention is that anybody who does sign up to be a patron from now until we announce the next Draft Draft Hero will be getting a copy of Wingmantle Chaplain signed by us. And I don't know what Ben's going to do to make it look funky, but I'm sure there's going to be something. Oh, uh, I, I think I know something I could do. I think it's missing a creature type. Oh, God. I mean, look at that. <laughs> anyway. Uh, let's uh, let's dive into the data because this wasn't just us randomly picking a card. Sure, we kind of knew that this one was going to be the standout uncommon. I will say we have a really good track record of our draft chaff heroes entering standard uh, and actually older formats too. Blood Tithe Harvester has just been popping off in, in Pioneer 2, in Greasefang decks, and, and honestly just like Black Red Midrange as a whole. Now with Lily and Fable the Mirror Breaker, um, it's just a really, really good value card. Some of the other ones have popped off too. Wingmantle Chaplain, I don't necessarily see a strong, <laughs> a strong career in its future, but it's definitely deserving of the title anyway, uh, especially when you look at the data. Because yes, this is artificially inflated by the fact that you tutor for Wingmantle Chaplain uh, using Shieldwall Sentinel, but that does give it a 60.6 games played win rate, which is the top of the set, one point above uh, Night of Dawn's Light, which is the, the white pump knight, which is also just a disgusting magic card, especially on turn two. Oh, yeah. It's very, very difficult to lose games with that on two. Mm -hmm. And what's funny is that it actually has a much lower ATA uh, average taken at, um, 
than something like Night of Dawn's Light, uh, where Wing Mantle, it's actually average taken at 3.52, whereas Night of Dawn's Light is average taken at 2.67 picks in. So and I, I think it's funny that the Wing Mantle Chaplain, I guess you could say it's a lower pick, but I think it's also that like towards pack three, um, they do wheel. You know, if, if no one's like in the defender deck, they open them. It's so far off vector for a lot of decks that, I mean, they're, they're just going to pass them. Right. Again, this isn't Zenith Flare. It's not that any deck can just take them and move on with their life. Like you do need to be in a defender deck to make this work. Um, we did talk yeah. about it in terms of like the early first picking. And I think in most packs, you probably aren't first picking Chaplain. There, I think there are a lot of rares you would take over Chaplain, but there aren't very many uncommons or commons I can think of that I would want to take over Chaplain, if any. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely an early enough pick, but it is kind of interesting. I would have thought the ATA was a little bit lower on, on wing, or higher, I suppose, like taken higher than mm. uh, for the Wingman with Chaplain. So some interesting notes about the data, uh, just kind of looking through some of the other top spots, uh, looking at games played win rate. It's starting to look like white is maybe the dominant color. And I think there could be some other confounding variables in this. God, I wish we had someone who was an expert on this to talk to about. Uh, I I feel like white, because its vector is very unique, I mean, it wants to just go wide. Red augments it, but I've had decks that are functionally mono white and then maybe paired with a little bit of red or a little bit of green. Uh, Because of cards like Captain's Call, um, Resolute Reinforcements, these cards just give you super strong ability to go wide and then you know pump to go over the top i I, i'm not sure if that could be influenced in the data because functionally you just need white for those um i don't know if that's like a balance thing or if statistics could influence the the win rate of certain decks um comparable to their percentage of the field um but just making some observations uh we had night of dawn's light and then the next one down is frexian missionary uh, Micromancer, Weather Seed Treaty, Prayer of Binding, another white card, Neshoba Brawler, Love Song of Night and Day, a favorite of mine, uh, and then some other you know lower ones as you go down. Yeah, I was impressed with the Neshoba Brawlers, by the way. I saw them played exactly once in the deck that was playing them against me had four of them, and I was like, this Jeez. is just absurd. Just absurd. Uh, that said, it the other thing about Chaplain is that it, it kind of does work in a way that feels wrong for what it is. And by that, I <laughs> yeah. mean... It fits in decks that don't feel like their vectors are are in line with each other. For instance, you can put Chaplain in the same deck as a Knight of Dawn's Light. Like you can also splash Chaplain in like a Sultai Defender deck or a Naya Domain deck or a Black White Defender's deck. Like you you can put the card as much as I'm saying it, you can't just put it at any deck. It does fit into quite a few homes when they're built correctly to use it. Mm-hmm. I think there's also more decks. Like they're almost so they're almost draft specific. Like I I would guess that there's fewer decks that look identical in this set than your average set. Maybe like more something along the lines of Kaldheim or I guess Ikoria. Um, But even there, like, I mean, those decks tend to be like five color snow and you knew it was going to be like a blue, green, red base. Um, Whereas this, I mean, you can have like a domain deck that's centered in green and white. Yeah, it's funny you say that because this whole conversation, I'm just thinking through like, this is what they were trying to do with call time. I don't know that for sure, but I'm 98% confident that they were trying to do this with call time. It didn't work and they redid it and reattempted it for Dominaria because it's it's far Mm -hmm. enough away in terms of like set design that I think they could have taken feedback from call time to apply to this set. It might not be accurate. But I'm pretty sure that, that they're far enough apart that they could have done that. So I, I really think that's what they were going for originally with Kaldheim and it didn't work. And so they found a way to make it work. 
Honestly, they made a five color set not feel like a five color set and not feel like you can just jam anything in any deck and make it work. And I know we're talking a lot about how, you know, the, the balance in the set has been better than especially something like Streets and New Capenna. But I was curious. I went back and I checked for the uh, the top performing uncommon from Streets. It was Disciplined Duelist. And uh, it was a whole percentage point lower than uh, than Wingmantle Chaplain, which, huh. again, Wingmantle Chaplain has been artificially inflated because there's a tutor for it, the Shieldball Sentinel. And actually, Shieldball Sentinel also has an artificially inflated win rate because you can tutor for Shieldball Sentinel. So, you know, you just start chaining them. Um that being said, I think this is still important to consider. Like th- this is a very strong card. It works more often than not because when you have two of your best copy, uh, two copies of your best card, you're not actually going to win more games than when you just have one copy of it. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's that's totally it, right? They they do work really well together. It's one of those things that like you know we saw this with a lot of the gates payoffs in in the recent ish return to Ravnica like guilds block and um, we saw that with the gates payoffs there like they uh, there were a lot of them that cared guild summit is one that comes to mind that that Mm. cared a lot about uh, it it did this sort of mirror thing where it would ETB you draw cards for the gates you had and then anytime you played a gate you'd get more cards so any of these sorts of uh, symmetrical effects I guess we could call them in a way um, are are going to kind of provide really awesome elongated value over the course of a game so Anytime you're putting it down, it's going to be effective. Yeah, I'm going to pay more attention to cards that are templated like this. I think Guild Summit and Wingmantle Chaplain are the only ones that come to my mind. But, I mean, we've had two hits, you know? Like, Guild Summit was one of the better Gates payoffs. Uh, and now Wingmantle Chaplain is by far the best Defender's payoff. Just something to keep in mind for future sets when when looking at new cards. So let's talk about some of the specific vectors that we can find for Wingmantle Chaplain. Now, it's funny because all of these vectors tend to point in the generally defensive direction you don't really want this in a in an aggro deck it is a four mana zero three and it does care about defenders it's a defender payoff that being said it's hard to nail down specific vectors here because the vector directions in this set they have such huge range and i don't know the the efficient fixing it kind of blurs the directions it makes them almost more like a spread rather than a single focused arrow yeah and something we haven't talked about yet and i don't know unfortunately i don't think we're gonna have time an hour we might be able to fit it into next week's conversation but we haven't really talked about the impact that having off color kickers does to that mm. with the with the added the added fixing in duels like basic duels and then also wanting to play on color cards that have an off color kicker but trying to get the value out of the kicker you kind yeah. of in i don't know if inflates the right word but you kind of make your ability to splash naturally easier because you already mm. want those those extra land uh, mana sources in your deck um, and so if you're trying to splash a card that works, like we've talked plenty of times about like the stealth red, white decks where like they look mostly white or maybe they're stealth Naya decks and they look mostly red, white, but they've got a bunch of green kicker or maybe it's yeah. a, a white green deck that has a bunch of red kicker and you're still playing red sources, even though you don't have any red cards in the deck mm-hmm. that does just naturally make splashing a little bit easier to do because you already have the mana sources in the deck. So let's talk about black, white defenders. This is actually the first experience that I got playing Wingmantle Chaplain. Uh, very, very different deck than the more aggressive black, white decks, which are also solid. That's, you know, why this, this format's so cool. Within a, a certain color pair, you have two totally different vectors. So um, this was a great deck for Gibbering Barricade, uh, which is just a natural aristocrat's card. It, 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 first of all, it's a 2-4. Like <laughs> that, that, I mean, that just shuts down some cards automatically. Something like uh, the Kelvin Strike team hates Gibbering Barricades. I had an Ellis Ilcor in this deck, and 
kind of the way this deck played out was you wanted to just land everything, it had Urborg repossession to make sure it all stayed uh, on the battlefield. And then you start making all these tokens, you start sacrificing them to the barricade, you draw cards, LSL core is gaining you life as the tokens enter, draining your opponent as the tokens leave. It, it, it takes kind of like an annoying tokens deck uh, with stuff like captain's calls into just an unbeatable engine when you're making that many flyers that can both chip in and get sacked. Yeah. And like you get, you get Aaron in there too. And yeah, games are gone pretty quick. Yep. Another vector is I I templated these a little weird. I'm going to call this capital green capital something lowercase, lowercase white. I don't know. It looks better on, (laughs) it looks better on a, on text, but uh, like a dominant green, a secondary dominant color, and then three other, side colors um this is kind of the the green x deck that's then splashing a bunch of stuff it tends to favor blue or black uh it can do red um but i see that less it's usually just splashing for like a mary's outrider or something um this is the kind of deck that is domain but it can play double pipped cards in its you know secondary color more easily something like a defiler of dreams or like uh, another five or six ish uh, double pipped card Whereas other five color domain decks sometimes can't. Uh, if you're playing the defender build of this deck, uh, you're going to want a lot of Flurifers, Vine Walls, Blight Piles, Gibbering Barricades, those ones that come down early and, uh, you know, get you into the late game. And then you're usually splashing those like second, like third, fourth and fifth colors for something like one Shadow Prophecy, one Maria's Outrider, and then of course one Wingmantle Chaplain. Uh, but you're not really going very deep into any of those colors. It's probably like you're just, you're like a base two color deck splashing three extras. Yeah. And these decks are like really heavily relying on the Florifus Vine Walls and, and company to go get those extra duels. You need to pick up the duels. If you're not finding those, this deck is not going to work out for you. Um, and similar for most of the vectors here we're going to talk about that aren't just like black white or like heavy blue black i guess mm-hmm. um but the vine walls the duels kind of lay the groundwork for the deck to work on and that's that's sort of the foundation and then you can build up on top of it. now the next one i describe as capital green and then the other four all lowercase uh x x x and then you gotta have white in there of course so uh this is kind of like the five color soup approach I find that white tends to be the furthest away from the domain vector as, you know, cards like Captain's Call, Resolute Reinforcements, they just, they go wide. You know, that's their thing. Domain doesn't really care about that. Um, these flavors of the, the domain defenders deck, they tend to be more split on the color pie. I picture these with like eight to 10 green sources, thanks to the duels, and maybe like 40% green cards. And then the rest are really just scattered across all the colors. Uh, this is the one where you just have, maybe you picked up like, six to eight dual lands and you really were able to just take whatever you wanted you're playing like wrath and lightning strike and fluoriferous vine walls and you're pretty confident you're gonna be able to cast all of them on turn like two to four if you need to um of course Wingmantle chaplain goes really well into this one uh but then here if you're playing the defenders build i mean you can just jam your fluoriferous vine walls into this one too but i think shield wall sentinel goes a little bit up in this one because your mana can be a little bit looser uh, so it doesn't hurt to have that four drop that's colorless to go and get another colorless four drop and another one. And then uh, this is the one that usually has the ability to uh, just chain the, the shield ball sentinels into uh, a wing mantle chaplain. But uh, you can pull that combo off in any deck. I just kind of like it in this one best. Yeah, in this deck, it's it's a lot more of a 
safety net than the other ones. The other decks kind of have other things working for them while you're waiting to draw your wing mantle chaplains. And then your incidental defenders are going to like do their thing. In this deck, you kind of just are like, let's just survive until the chaplain comes down and maybe mm. like a bomb in the top end and, and win from that point. But bes- before that, we're just trying to survive and get the mana we need to cast their spells. And so, yeah, like you said, a colorless four drop is going to round out your curve nicely. It's going to help you get more of them. So you still have things to do, even if you're not like perfect on domain or whatever. And then, yeah, you, you round out that combo with the wing mantle chaplain, slam that down. You've already got a bunch of defenders by nature of the shield wall of sentinels and then go to town, beating them in the air. So those three vectors, black, white defense, uh, kind of green two color domain and then green four ish else colors domain. Uh, those ones I, I would describe all as like the primary domain decks where maybe you pick up your shield wall sentinels and, and whatever uh, you get your wing mantle chaplain, like late in pack two or something. And then you have pack three to pick up a few more defenders. Uh, maybe it influences your draft picks, but you already had the, um, the, uh, the, the Flurifer's Vine Walls and, and Blight Pile. The last vector I wanted to talk about here is like the Defender deck. And I think this is one that's also hard to describe because it looks so different every time. But this might be one where you pick up Wing Mantle Chaplain early in pack one. And then you're able to really go deep again on the Shield Wall Sentinels. Um, you can take those early. You can pick up like four to five of those things. And it works. It does exactly as advertised. Um, sometimes... You want to pick up like another defender uh, that's worth going to get. Maybe something like a walking bulwark. Because sometimes you'll wind up with more than one copy of Shield Ball Sentinel in hand. And then if you have nothing left to tutor because you already, you know, tutored up your Wing Mantle Chaplain, then it feels kind of bad. So uh, it's worth doing, by the way. Like if you can get a Wing Mantle Chaplain within the first half of pack one, try it. No one else will really want the defenders cards. And yeah, maybe if you just get past an awesome aggro deck, you just pivot. You wasted like one good card pick on it. Uh, I think it's worth trying to do though. Yeah, I I haven't actually gotten this together yet, but it's on my short list for like achievements to hit before the end of the format. And it seems really nice. It also gives you the added extra like little bits. Like you mentioned, you could pick up a bulwark or something. Uh, there's the drawbridge that you could have in those decks if you really like need other defenders in the colors. You can pick up any of the blue ones. I mean, even if you're not using the Coral Colony as like a win condition, you can grab that, throw it in your deck. Your Academy walls are going to be doing just fine and recurring some of your instants and sorceries they might be using to kind of keep things alive or um, slow the game down a little bit. Your stall for times, for instance, mm-hmm. and uh, get those back. Kind of keep yourself alive long enough to let the Wingman Mantle Chaplain's birds do their thing. Um, but this, of the decks in this format, like bar none i think like this is the one that has the potential to be the tightest because Mm. again everything as long as you have those shield wall sentinels everything kind of just grabs itself it's so Um, redundant you can get a really really yeah really redundant really tight deck that uh just works on vector perfectly so Mm -hmm. it's also a deck that like interestingly enough you know when we talk about vectors and if you're not familiar with the idea of vector theory we have a handful of episodes on those i'll link some in the episode description so you can check out what we're talking about with that but when we talk about vectors a lot of times we talk about the way cards fit into a vector and and we talk about vectors in sort of two different ways right there's the decks vector and then an individual cards vector in that deck or in a Mm. given deck and this is the first time since i think we started the show where we have a vector that grows in strength the more cards you have in it that work in that vector like the every shield wall sentinel is is increasing the power or the strength of that vector so like i don't know what the max strength of a given defender deck vector looks Mm -hmm. like but that'd be kind of interesting to explore because i think um yeah these decks just get more powerful the more of these cards you have to tutor up and like 
toolbox almost. Mm. And just another small side note about the uh, wing mantle chaplain. If you can recur it, do it, you know, so like look for ways to return creatures to their own, uh, to your owner's hands. Uh, Herborg repossession goes up. Bortog bone goes up. If you already have one of these, you think one of these is good. Uh, cast it twice in the same game with a bunch of defenders on the board. You're not going to lose. All right. And then we do have some runner ups. Wing mantle chaplain wasn't completely the winner of this race. We do have a few that came close and we mentioned some of them when we were talking about the data portion, but um, of course you have the, the black and white knights were kind of front runners as well. Night of Dawn's light, night of dusk's shadow. Both of these have very powerful effects. They pump each themselves. They're two mana, two twos. And frankly, this is kind of a cool cycle. I, I like the, the way these cards are templated. They each have a keyword. They each have some effect that mm-hmm. does something and they're kind of opposites, which is cool. And um, the pump knights have been around for decades at this point yeah. like the uh, i forget what a, the first set that they did this in was but this is probably like the seventh or eighth time we've been on dominaria and gotten the black knight the white knight they're both two drops and they mimic each other although i just hate that the black one this time it doesn't have flavor text and the white one does like come on mm. what were they thinking there yeah that's a little bit strange i and i also i guess it's just a little bit less explanatory on its own but like they felt the need to give menace helper text reminder text and, and they didn't feel the need to do that for first strike. I don't know. I guess that there's, I'm sure there was a reason there, but I agree that the, the no flavor text thing is a little bit annoying. Another runner up we had was micromancer. Just awesome card. It turned out there's a lot more impactful one drops to get because a lot of them have kicker uh, and, and they're across a whole bunch of colors too. So uh, I, I like micromancer in these domain decks as well. Yeah. I think we didn't give this enough credit when we were doing our format breakdown. I know I certainly didn't, but as soon as you see, you realize like a bunch of one drops have kickers. So they're really not one drops. They're actually four or five drops. And yeah. They feel like it. Like they have, they, they have effects that make it feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this card really goes up in value. Yeah. You can set up a toolbox and also it's, it's a hill giant. It's a three, three, which is a sizable body in the set. I had to lightning strike a micromancer earlier after they already got shore up. And I was like, well, I got, I got to kill it now so they can't just leave up shore up on it. And I mean, they just got to keep the shore up and I was down a card. Yeah. And then we mentioned earlier, Kelvin strike team. This was a common runner up. Um, you know, it's not too often we get commons that are draft shaft heroes. Inspiring overseer obviously was you know an easy one, but uh, this one crept up there. It's doing pretty well for itself in the numbers and the data. And it's clearly a pretty impactful card. Well, that does it for our, draft shaft hero section we do want to spend just a couple of minutes here talking about infinity spoilers because we've started to get some of those and they are hilarious so we felt we would be remiss if we don't talk about them a little bit oh my god dude i've just been laughing just reading all these spoilers i i love the unsets i've always wanted to make an undeck i've never really figured out how <laughs> whether i would uh make like a commander deck that would get house rule into me being able to play it or if i would just make like a 60 card deck that i'd play casually with friends i don't know but anyway uh, let's talk about exchange of words. This is one blue, blue. It's an enchantment. It's a rare. When exchange of words enters the battlefield, choose two target creatures. For as long as exchange of words remains on the battlefield, exchange the text boxes of those creatures. And if I, if I'm not mistaken from the whole set symbol thing and like the little acorn, I think this is extended playable. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're right. Um, by the way, on the art, it appears that an Ajani and who's that? Um, oh, it's it's the it's the Minotaur planeswalker. Angrath, a- Angrath, Angrath. Something, that, something like that. It, yeah. it looks like Angrath and Ajani mascots have literally traded heads and are butting them. I don't really know what's going on here. Uh, that's 
that's nuts. I mean, it's it's so much weirder than like a switch creature effect or a control magic effect. Dude, and the flavor text. Oh my gosh. Before criticizing, walk a mile, about 1.6 kilometers, in their head. That way, when you do, when you do you're a mile away and you have their head. <laughs> <laughs> the flavor and the names and the art of this set are going to be some of the best parts for sure. Uh, I'm just thinking about like what, what you can do with this. Like, if you, if you have like a like a one one indestructible for one, I don't know if that's even a real card. You could just give it does it do power and t- no, it's just a text box. So you just could just like boxes. give it yeah, you could just like give one of your creatures' abilities to something else. Yeah, uh, this is this is so great. stupid. You want to read nearby planet? Yeah, so nearby planet's a land. Art is amazing. The art on all yeah. the lands in this set are phenomenal. Oh yeah. It's a common. It has rangeling. And it says this, which which means this card is every land type, including plains, islands, swamp, mountain, forest, desert, gate, lair, locus, and all those Urza's Urza's ones. <laughs> Does this go in the gates deck? I mean, it's it's a locus too. It's busted and vintage. And then uh, it says nearby planet enters the battlefield tapped. When nearby planet enters the battlefield, sack it unless you pay one colorless. So it's perfect fixing. You just have to pay one and. I doubt we'll see many gate payoffs this set, but something to keep in mind for our cube. Next up, oh my god, I love this card. Surprise Party. Two and a white. Enchantment. Rare. This one is not extended playable, and you're about to see why. When Surprise Party enters the battlefield, yell surprise and put onto the battlefield any number of printed clown robot tokens that aren't touching each other that you hid on the battlefield before you cast Surprise Party and that weren't spotted by an opponent before you cast surprise party. Then it says robots you control have plus one plus O and vigilance. So the the joke here, uh, you have to like take these robot clown tokens and like hide them under your lands as you play your lands uh, and like hope your opponent doesn't notice. And then if you play like a two drop, you like hide this token under the two drop and then maybe you even hide one under surprise party as you cast. I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but the rules like who who cares? I mean, it's, it's infinity. Um, and then you play surprise party, you yell surprise, and then you reveal that under your both your lands and your two drop were these clown tokens, and then they all get buffed. That's and, but if your opponent catches you, you don't get it. You have to like put it back or something. <laughs> That's incredible. I at first when you were reading this, I was like, okay, so you like show up at the table, you you slide some under your play mat or something. But no, it has to be on the. They have to be on the battlefield. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they say they can't be touching, so that, uh, you can't put like a stack down under like. One I hope layer. I never open this card because it sounds like a good card, but I don't want to have to deal with trying to hide these tokens. <laughs> it sounds like a pain, but it sounds fun, you know. All right, next up is Space Bellerin. This is so good, and Just, the alt art is awesome. It's good. Yeah, he's almost he almost has like Buzz Lightyear vibes. Yeah, in the in the alt art, but um, it's two white blue for a legendary planeswalker, Jace at Mythic, three loyalty. He has a static ability called Space Sculptor, which says Space Bellerin divide, divides the battlefield into alpha, beta, and gamma sectors. If a creature isn't anchored to a sector, its controller assigns it to one, or isn't isn't assigned to a vector uh, to a sector, its controller assigns it to one. Opponents assign first, so he splits the board up into these three sectors, and then your opponent assigns their creature assigns a creature to their one sector of their choice. You do the same, and you go back and forth, and and uh, Assign the creatures. Okay, so that's just a static, which functionally does nothing. His plus one, creatures in each sector can be blocked this turn only by creatures in the same sector. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, jeez. Okay. The minus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature in the sector of your choice. Not your creatures, but every creature in the sector. 
And then the minus five, destroy all creatures in the same position. <laughs> so the, the plus and the minus have a tension here, right? Because your opponent might want to group. So I guess you want the most by themselves and your opponent wants to put the most of their creatures in with yours because then they're still able to block and they would get counters if you tried to do the down tick. And that would also make it so that, so I guess what's worse for your opponent is if you get a sector of all your creatures. So like if you wind up with one, like alpha sector is all your stuff, then they're functionally unblockable. You can buff them and you could nuke one of the other sectors without touching any of them. Yeah. That's so wacky. <laughs> and, and your opponent, your opponent assigns first when it comes to like separating creatures into the into their sectors. So if you have even numbers of creatures, you can you get a smite or or you have more creatures and you get like a slight advantage in terms of like where you're placing them because you can wait until your opponent puts one down and then you put the other. I just noticed the set like the the hologram. I think this is extended playable. Yep, it's extended playable. Yep, it totally is. Oh god. Okay. <laughs> uh, ready next. For your space sculpting. Oh man, this one's so fun. Phone a friend. This is three blue blue. It looks like some sort of astronaut is calling up Urza's severed head, which was from the last set. Uh, This is a mythic, so you're not going to see it that often, but when it happens, it'll be great. It's a sorcery. Call someone and ask them to choose one. So you have to have to like bring your phone to pre-release this time. Uh, Not that everyone doesn't, but you know, make sure it's charged. If they don't answer, an opponent chooses one. Uh, And then the, the reminder text says, don't explain anything. You choose targets. So the idea is that you you ask you call someone up you say hey a b c or d and then here are the effects a gain control of target creature you don't control just stood up you know gain control b choose target creature you control create two tokens that are copies of it nice c take an extra turn after this one or d draw seven cards wow I mean what's the floor on this card the person who calls <laughs> says b and then you don't have any creatures. Yeah, that's pretty bad, actually. <laughs> um, I mean, even even just like time warp effects, they're not always great if your board is empty and you're not getting incremental advantage somehow. Um, a and yeah, D right, are obviously could the best. A. Like, they could choose A and your opponent has no creatures. I mean, D is always just the best option, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unless you're like actively dying. Um, now, this is just such a funny this card really to, fun to card. Like, cast. Uh, I mean, we're planning on going to an event for this. Can we call each other? Is that legal? Because we know, you know, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even say call someone in a different room or something like just call anyone. Yeah. And I guess call like if you don't have a phone, you could just yell, you know. Yeah. All right. So so next up is uh, an artifact creature. D zero zero dash DL caricaturist or doodle. Perhaps one might call them doodle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so good. I, I just realized that. Yep. I love it. When it's doodle six caricaturist mana okay, six yeah, mana one one. It's a robot subtype uh, and it's rare. When Doodle Characterist enters the battlefield, create a 4-4 colorless sketch creature token, which you have 15 seconds to draw. (laughs) The token has flying if it has wings in its art. The same is true for First Strike and a sword, Vigilance and a shield, Menace and Mean Eyes, (laughs) Trample, (laughs) yeah, Trample and Horns, Death Touch and Claws, Life Link and Fangs, and Haste and Footwear. So you just basically want to draw some ridiculous thing that's got all of those elements, and then you get a a one man, a one, a six mana one one, but then also a four mana four, uh, a four four with all those extra effects. It's it's a um, it's a and it gives you a bane slayer. It's like an acroma. No, this is I mean this is nuts. If you get all of those on, yeah, you have fifteen seconds to do it. So I think I think (laughs) what you're supposed to do, I think what you're supposed to do is literally right now 
think about your drawing before you're even sitting you down to practice. Draft. Yeah. Practice it and, and just get the timing down and then be the biggest nerd at your, your pre-release <laughs> where you like actually practice. What happens rare. if you don't open it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you wasted some time, I guess. I think the optimal line here is a stick figure, right? And then you just toss them all on. Um, I'm just looking at like what, yeah, I guess your sword shield, the mean eyes. Yeah. I suppose you could do all that with a stick figure. Yeah. Next up. Oh, this is so much fun. Ticking mime bomb. This is three in a red. It's a two, two. It's an artifact creature. It's a clown robot mime. So mime is a (laughs) subtype now. Uh, It's an uncommon. (laughs) I'm just going to start off with the flavor text. Uh, Silent, but deadly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, When it enters the battlefield without speaking or indicating any specific creature, pantomime to a person outside the game, then they choose a creature you don't control. Ticking Mind Bomb deals damage equal to twice the number of robots you control to the chosen creature. And yes, robots is kind of like a sub-theme in this set. So you you play this, the ETV goes in the stack, you have to like mime to get someone's attention and you can't point. You have to just kind of like wildly gesture at your opponent and then they go, oh, you're resolving a Ticking Mind Bomb and then they get to decide if they're going to be helpful to you or not. Th- this the is so is, much fun. The thing is, you're pantomiming so like you can't speak and you also can't yeah. and it explicitly says without speaking or indicating any specific creature. And you have to do this with a person outside the game. So like if you happen to be playing this in a scenario where like there aren't very many magic players around, like you're just kind of, you got to format a tutu there, bud. <laughs> yeah. If, if no, if, if they just don't resolve the ability, well, what like, yeah, like what do they do if they're just like, you're a weirdo flailing your arms? Like, I don't know what you want from me. Yeah. All right. This next one is like, I, I, I really love this. This is a, for some reason, not one I expected them to print. Like it, it never crossed my mind that they were going to do this kind of card, but it makes so much sense and I love it. Okay. So the card is called Devil K Neville or perhaps <laughs> Evil Knievel. The Evil Knievel? The Evil Knievel. It's a two, it's two and a red for a two, one legendary creature devil performer at rare. It has haste. When Devil Knievel, I guess is how we're calling it. enters the battlefield, jump it over any number of creatures. (laughs) If it clears those creatures, put that many plus one, plus one counters on it. And then in parentheses as helper text, it says you can see a jumping demonstration at (laughs) devilcanevil.com. And there's actually a video for this. Yeah. So I went to the website. Wizards made like a professional video for this. I think it was the LLR or, uh, yeah, the the loading ready run folks that made it. It's, it's so funny, um, to jump, devil can devil you like put it on the edge of the table and then you flip it almost uh, those are the played like flip, flip cup. cup yeah it's exactly like flip cup uh you have to play flip cup now however many it jumps over uh, however many it clears it gets that many counters if it doesn't clear them it gets nothing so you have yeah. to like see how many you want to you know say you can't mess with the sleeve or anything you can't like <laughs> they actually specifically say in the video you can't fold it into a paper airplane or anything that would like get in the way of putting it back in your deck <laughs> Yeah. So the interesting part about this is like when you're playing in in a pre-release setting, there's a very real chance that you get sat in between people, like in the middle of a table, which means that the only creatures in front of you that like you put your creatures left to right next to the decks to each other. So if you're trying to flip it from the edge of the table in front of you, you only have one card in front of you to clear. So you would want to do this from the side of the table to get it to clear. Oh, you can rearrange them. Yeah. Oh, you can. It's, okay. It says in the video. Don't worry. And okay. you can use your like your opponent stuff too. I think like any number of creatures. It, this doesn't even target, so you can use a hexproof oh, creature. True. I guess. Um, that's hilarious. I get. I, I, I don't remember if the video said you can use like creatures in other games, but I don't yeah, know. like can I just grab a commander deck, plop it on the table, and like flip <laughs> yeah, it over I, my whole deck? Uh, a few more here. Get your head in the game. 
this this is a very literal name. Two in a white enchantment. It is flash. It's an uncommon. It says when getting your head in the game enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent until it this card leaves the battlefield. Then touch it. This card. I think they just didn't want to type the name again uh, all over. Like it just wouldn't fit in the text box. Then touch it to your head. When this card stops touching your head, sacrifice it, and then it specifies the card, not your head. <laughs> yeah, well, because if you read it without any of the parentheses in this, it says, when get your head in the game, enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent until it leaves the battlefield. Then touch it to your head. When it stops touching it, sacrifice it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's a little bit weird if you don't read it without, if you read it without. Sacrifice the, your head, yeah. yeah. So, um to be clear, this is an O-ring that, that only works on like while your head is touching on the table. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. so like, <laughs> I guess you put your chin down and you have to play like that for the rest of the game. Like, I, I love like physical nonsense cards like this. There was a similar one in the last set. I think it was like a like a two mana four one menace in black, and it, it was called like severed head. And uh, you had to have your your head touching it at all times, or else you sacrificed it. I think the way this is worded, though, you could literally just take the card off the table and put it on your head or you know like does that when it enters the battlefield i don't know i feel like the moment it leaves it just says touch it to your head oh because like when i'm reading leaves the battlefield i think in terms of game terms but maybe it's they're literally saying until it leaves the battlefield so if it oh oh off the battlefield then it i see is that why this is like face paint art you're saying that if you like hold this card to your face then it it, it still works Huh. Yeah, unless you're unless you take the leaves of battlefield thing literally, where like the card is lifted off the battlefield and then so it's no longer on the battlefield, therefore it has left the battlefield, which means the effect is dead. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna need a judge for this one. Uh, yep, folks, let us know on the Discord. <laughs> let us know on the Discord what you think about this. Like, can do you have to have your head touching the, the table? Or is the face painting in the art supposed to imply that you can like also is that is that little girl getting face painted like like a Phyrexian? Like what? Is that is that one of like the Norns Annex guards or like, uh, like what's going like on it. there? I don't know. I don't know like what's it. going on. I, I love that this is like a magic theme park in magic. So like what one of the cards, I think it was like uh, like fake Rada or, or something. It was like like a, like a costumed character version of an actual magic like creature. It's so stupid. It's It's great. Yeah. And so we got one more here. Animate object, which I'm surprised isn't already a card name, but. <laughs> Anyway, animate object, four and a blue for a sorcery at uncommon. You get seven tickets, and tickets is not a word. It's an icon <laughs> in the text. Yeah. Choose an inanimate object you own from outside the game. Put a power and toughness sticker on it. Yes, stickers. You may also put a name sticker, an art sticker, and or an ability sticker on it. Put it onto the battlefield as a creature. Awesome. <laughs> I assume the tickets thing is actually stickers. It looks like I think ticket. it is. Yeah. So, so you can't just have stickers like something needs to generate them, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I didn't watch the whole uh, the whole stream yet where they go into details about this. I really should because I was curious about this is other thing called attractions and you like go to them. But it also invo- involves rolling to see what outcome happens. Um, they usually pull Set wacky subtypes like contraptions and junk like that. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how exactly these mechanics work. But you could just turn your you could just turn your shoe <laughs> into like a ten ten <laughs> and put it on the board like that, that that's so much fun. Also, I love the fact that we're gonna get a bunch of magic stickers. Like one of them was just the chain veil. I'm just gonna put the chain veil sticker on my laptop. You know, <laughs> like why not? 
Yeah. I guess the also the other thing too is like, well, I guess you're putting these on like inanimate objects that aren't cards, presumably. You could technically put this on a card you own, but I don't know if I would recommend putting stickers on your cards because getting them off is going to be really difficult. <laughs> yeah. I did hear that these are like, they're like easy peel ones. And I think there are actually some sticker cards that are extended legal. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like there might be. Um, also just looking at some of the stickers, there's a lot of cute ones. There's like a squirrel, uh, a little beanie, what appears to be a dead plush Gideon doll oh <laughs> with like X's over the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh uh, right. yeah. If you guys can if you can draft this set or pre-release it or something. I'm excited to pre-release because it's gonna be so much wacky nonsense in a big yeah. pool. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Ben and I are definitely gonna do that. So let us know if you do that as well. Might set up a temporary channel for unstuff. Um I kind of want an uncube, to be honest with you. Oh, that'd be yeah, sick. We could make that happen. Just like a small 361. Yeah. I don't I think I think it would be good. Anyway. That's it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. If you did enjoy, definitely give us a, a like a rate or whatever on Spotify or Apple uh, podcasts. Like that kind of stuff really helps us review the show on those platforms. It helps us a lot with getting the the show out there and, and getting more ears listening to our beautiful voices. <laughs> and um, if you're not already in it, check out the Discord. Again, the link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. And if you want to find us outside of all that, you can find us on Twitter at draftchaffpod. Thanks, folks. And we'll talk to you next week. So uh, at the bottom of the sign off here, we usually have show notes. It says, I have a note. Did you put that? I did. It's for post show. Oh. It's just so I remember to tell you something. Oh, okay. Well, well this sign off sucks. 